Welcome to Winsome Wednesday. This is According to Callus. And today we're going to... That ain't gonna happen. Nobody would buy that even if I did it anyways. Hey, listen. I just got some random thoughts. I'm gonna just throw them out there and see what happens. You know, let's see. I missed basically three episodes I was supposed to do in the last two weeks. Life got in the way. No excuse, just the way it is. A lot of things have happened. A couple laws came into effect. A couple more got passed and are still waiting to be approved. And SCOTUS got involved and, you know, just just a whole lot of stuff that's been going on. And, of course, we had the labor holiday. So as I muddle through all of that, let me just throw out some random thoughts on the things that have occurred that I really haven't had an opportunity to talk about. So I try and structure my show um, where I'm working on at least one series of things. Um, Then I like to have at least a Tuesday show that's related to Texas or Texit because the two are heavily intertwined. And then Friday, I usually like to kick off the, the weekend with some thoughts, right? Some things that to think about or look into over the weekend. Hopefully to spur you to action. Action! (laughs) But my voice is uh, coming back. I'm feeling better. So let's roll forward here. So I'm not going to pretend to say that I have this scheduled out because I really don't. I'm putting this in on Wednesday as kind of a bonus episode. But this is technically episode 121. 121 episodes. And I sincerely hope that I hit the... uh, 2000 download mark, but I really don't know if I hit it yet or not, but Hey, it's okay. It'll be all right. So let's recap last week. I served as the moderator at a forum, uh, related to CRT and whether or not it would be helpful or hurtful to be taught in the schools. Now, early on, I tried to limit it to the four precepts that CRT, which is critical race theory, um, the, pr- the proponents support, right? Now, the problem is, is I think a lot of us are talking past each other, right? So the conservatives or the reactionaries, if you will, have one set of ideas in place that they're working off of. <clears throat> and the advocates or revolutionaries, if you prefer, have a another thing that they have in place. And rather they get caught in the uh, Mott and Bailey arguments and, you know, the, the problems with coming up with a definition. I tried to lay out the definition based upon the four precepts at the beginning to try and limit the conversation to where we could be somewhat productive. I was generally happy with the tone in the interaction of the conversation. Now, you'll note I really didn't talk a lot about the last forum that I was the moderator at. And I'm not necessarily going to talk about what was said or besperch any of my participants because I was thrilled to death to find people that were willing to come talk about this. It's kind of a touchy subject. And I was glad that we could have a very cordial and I think 
baseline helpful conversation, right? I think some folks needed to see that advocates on both sides of the issue are not their worst enemy, right? I think that was important. I think that it comes across in the uh, audio and when we uh, get the full videos uh, completed, I I think that that will be evident as well. And I said at the beginning, you know, like I, I, I got, I kind of take advantage of the fact that they let me have the mic for just a minute or so before we start. And I just kind of remind everybody, you know, I'm an opinionated guy. I have lots of ideas and thoughts and I have no problem sharing them, but this is requiring me to kind of check myself. And it, at times it can be challenging, right? But it's, it's a way to grow myself and become more competent in some of the things that I do and particularly in conversation. So the idea is, is that we want people to come in and have a conversation and have different ideas or different positions on the issue. And in this specific issue, the challenge was basically, and I'm going to say this from somebody right of center, and I might upset some of the people that would be my natural allies and on this issue, but I think that they want to lump everything together. Now I can articulate particular issues within the four principles of critical race theory that are problematic. And I can even overlook the idea that it's basically a Marxian principle brought through Gramsci and a couple other individuals to get us here being that it's basically a genetic fallacy. But if we, if we just are willing to step past that and just deal with those four things, there's plenty of things to talk about and plenty of challenges. And how do you bring that into an educational setting? And how do you bring that apart of the educational process? Certainly when you get to an older age, you know, let's just say hypothetically high school or junior, senior year, when you get to take those elective courses, I think that that's maybe an appropriate time because at that point, maybe some of these young people have started to develop their own thoughts, their own opinions, and their own strongly held beliefs. And they, they should be challenged and they should observe some conflict. And it can be done in such a way to bring that apart or bring that about without castigating them and characterizing them. But that's a real challenge because it's often not done well. And it's not done in such a way to where it's actually a conversation. It's done more in the form of an accusation. And I don't know if the people that do that are just misled, well-meaning people. Or if they're just have evil intent. How about that? I, I, I don't read their mind. I always used to think it was the former rather than the latter, but as life has gone on, I really am beginning to think that it's oftentimes more the latter than the former, that people really do have evil intent. But therein lies the rub. People that are ostensibly on my team are kind of guilty of the same thing in that we lump everything together. We throw anything that's critical or slightly controversial and throw it under the banner of critical race theory. 
Or maybe we're doing ourselves a disservice. Maybe we need to be more careful how we characterize different ideas and different things. I'm not enthusiastic about lumping people together based on who their parents were, what country their or, you know, origin is from, what language they speak. I'm not entirely comfortable with that. I do understand that there's a shortcut there. Your brain does that. There are stereotypes and they're there for a reason. But to condemn people, you know, again, as an individualist and as a Christian, I don't believe in collective condemnation any more than I believe in collective salvation. A lot of socialists trade on that. And I think a lot of conservatives are falling into that trap. Indeed, some of the Christians are getting caught up in this mix as well. Granted, most of them are more progressive than not, but it's, 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 it's not a good idea. There's always nuance in everything that we do, and there's always a challenge on being accurate in the words we speak and the things we think and the way that we're trying to put forth an idea. If we don't do that well and we're not open to hearing the feedback, we're failing. In short, I think that was the shortcoming, if there was one, in my forum that I was getting to moderate. I don't think we were speaking about the same thing all the time. And I know there was frustration on both sides. But I think it was a good first step. I think it was a positive way to move forward. I think it's that first cable thrown across a ravine before the footbridge is built. And I hope that we continue to do that. And I want to thank the McKinney First Pack for allowing me to participate, for inviting me to come in and act as moderator. Now, I will freely admit I have several friends that are on their board and their leadership, and I have other people that I would call good acquaintances that are involved at some level or another. I will also admit that there were some kind of cringeworthy things that occurred under, I guess, their banner. And I know that some of them regret that. A good number of them kind of realize they crossed the line. And, you know, when you get involved and you, and you get excited and you're defending your principles and you're standing on the right thing, you make mistakes. I've done it. I do it from time to time still. And it's real hard to condemn somebody for getting all excited and maybe crossing a line. But when somebody comes and says, you know, hey, we kind of learned from our mistake. We, we want to move forward. We want to, we want to do better. We need to help them. We need to join them. We need, we need to be willing to say, I get it. I understand. I mean, I don't want to rehash all those details. I, I was very detached from a lot of that stuff on purpose. I mean, I have my own strong held feelings about several elected officials here in the city of McKinney. And I'm not super enthusiastic about much of the city council. But I don't go home at night and give it much thought. I don't I don't dwell on the idea of what they're going to do next and the evil intent that they have in their hearts. No, no, nothing like that. But I do have concerns about their vision versus my vision. The vision that the 
people that created the slogan unique by nature and the majority of the people that live here, what they think and what they want for the city. And does it equate with what they're actually bringing about? And I don't know that it does. And if I wasn't able to convince them in my own, you know, Don Quixote run and in, in my own involvement in the last election cycle, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to convince them in the next 18 months. And really, that's not my job. I, my job is to speak the truth as I see it, as I understand it, knowing that there is always one true objective truth and it is my job to find it. And if I find that I'm speaking wrongly or I'm misinformed, then I am morally obligated to correct myself and acknowledge it. And I welcome that. And any rebuke that is done in a polite manner, in a professional manner, will be taken and adopted and adapted. And I will be the first to admit it. So it's no surprise to me that there's some residents, some concern. Well, the McKinney First Pack... They're hosting forums. They're not going to treat people fairly. They're not going to let both sides out. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. But here's the thing. I was given a job, for which I don't get paid. Let's just be clear. A duty, maybe, would be the way to put it. I was given the duty to serve as a moderator. And I take that very seriously. And even though I'm highly opinionated, I respect and value the people that take the time out of their schedule and come to partake. And I want to hear what they have to say. And sometimes I got to be honest, I'm I'm not going to like it or it might be challenging, but my obligation is there to make sure that they're heard and to treat them in a polite and professional way. The other thing I do that most moderators won't do is I will admit from the onset, I am biased. I have my own opinions. And if you think that those opinions are interfering with the job of being a moderator, then you give, you are given every right to call me out on it. You are there to hold me accountable. If you think that I was inappropriate or unfair, then by all means, tell me. I still have no complaints, by the way. I stand by that. Now, if I should be a panelist at some point in the future, or if I should be one of the debaters at some point in the future when we would maybe host a debate. Yeah, then it's my turn to go after issues, to go after statements, and maybe even poke at the individual depending on the circumstances. But that's not my role. My role is to make sure that everybody is heard and treated fairly. And I take that very seriously. And I will continue to do so so long as they allow me to serve as their moderator. So if you're concerned and you're listening to the words coming out of my mouth right now, I want to reassure you that so long as I serve as the moderator, you have nothing to worry about because I will treat you exactly how I would want to be treated. That is my oath, my pledge to you as an individual that may be asked to serve as one of our panelists. I think I was pretty omnibus on that. Wow, got a little lost there. All right, next issue. It was Labor Day weekend. The uh, last one of the uh, summer, if you will. 
And we celebrate the idea of the working man. We celebrate the notion that we wouldn't have what we have now without the worker bees, which I am one of, right? I did listen to, you know, a podcast recently that kind of talked about how it is that we ended up with Labor Day as a separate holiday than May Day. And while the labor parties didn't want to get wed to the socialists, which is how that came about, it's kind of an interesting and curious thing within the United States versus the rest of Europe. And it's one of those unique aspects of why America was so great. But now that we've more or less embraced socialism, whether it's through Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, right? Those are all basically socialist institutions that we brought upon ourselves. They're also Ponzi schemes as well, much like, you know, centralized banking, but that's a different story. But we bought into it and we just sipped that poison. A little bit after, a little bit more, after a little bit more. And certainly three or four generations later, our children who have gone through the government indoctrination camps that we call, I'm sorry, public schools, come out and they vote for more socialism. And we act surprised and we don't understand it. It's our own failing. Yet we dutifully sign up our children and send them back to those quote unquote public schools to get their instruction in government living their lives for them. Now I'm excited because, you know, in the last year, homeschooling's doubled. It went from, I don't know, 2 to 4% to 6 to 8%, depending who you're talking to. I mean, that's a giant leap forward. But it's only a matter of time before they decide to whittle that back down, right? And make no mistake, when you get tax benefits as a private school, if you should be foolish enough to take that tax credit or benefit as a homeschooler, the government has now shoved its nose of the camel under your tent. The edge of your tent has now been infiltrated by that camel's nose. And it's only a matter of time before the camel takes up the entirety of the inside of that tent. No matter how big that tent is, that that camel knows no bounds. Yet, we do it time and time again. You got to ask yourself why it is we fail to learn the lessons of our own history. Most of which is self-evident if we'll just take five minutes to look at it. Well, on Labor Day, there was a rally. Yes, it was a political rally. And of course, being that I'm just a little political, I attended said political rally. And I saw lots of great people there and lots of good patriots. Some of which I would call good friends, some I would call friends, some I would just call mm, good acquaintances or merely acquaintances, and some I would call solid allies. And I was thankful and grateful to be there and that they actually had a meeting and that we were able to wander around in a relatively peace and calm situation, shake hands, say hi, encourage one another. And then came the sales pitch. Now, I know, I know, it's a rally. You got to build up your team. You got to do the rah-rah. It's, it's obligatory. I mean, when you, when you go to your high school and they have a pep rally, it's expected they're going to tell you you have the best football team in the state. 
It doesn't matter if it's real or not. But it's your job. You're there to cheer them on. You're there to support them. And I got to say, I was a little uh, surprised at some of the people that didn't turn out. Now, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I mean, anybody that was there knew full well that certain house districts were not represented there. It was kind of a little surprising. But hey, these guys have lives too. You know, they got to spend a whole extra month down in Austin that they didn't plan on. And then another whole extra month down in Austin that they plan on. So, I mean, I guess I understand completely why they'd want to spend time with their family. But there are also our elected officials and certain things are kind of expected out of them. So it was a little disappointing. And as always, it's, you know, election season. It's always election season. Even when it shouldn't be election season, it's election season. And I'll just say, most of the good guys were there. (laughs) Take that for however you want. But I couldn't help but leave there in a good mood, generally positive. Thinking about the positive outcome of several things that have occurred over the last sessions. Now I have clear eyes and I'm certain that there's pitfalls. In fact, I might have mentioned a couple of those in a previous episode. So I'm not lulled into sleep. I'm not living the fantasy that we've got the best of all possible representation because clearly we don't. Indeed, at least one of those house reps has got a primary challenger. Certainly, I figured there would be two more by about this time and sadly, there's not. But that's okay. Fear not. Listen, We have a responsibility to represent our precincts if we're precinct chairs, our county if we're working at the county level, our cities if we're working at the city level, and certainly our house districts if we're in the house. And by and large, the ones that are elected out of Collin County do an adequate job. Now, I think that we can do better than adequate, But if that's the bar that I'm going to have to set, I'll set it. I got one in particular that I would say is better than adequate. And he knows who he is, as I told him when I saw him. But these other guys and gal, they really, they need to be a little more aggressive. That's all I want out of them. Just a little more aggressive in protecting our liberty. You know, and then they rolled out the slogan, Liberty lives here. Boy, it's as if they were listening to my podcast or something. I don't know. But as as the uh, liberty advocate of McKinney and Collin County, I'm quite excited about that. I wonder what the libertarians might think about that. But yeah, that's a different story. Seeing how they have largely been silent on the vax mandates, the mask mandates. And well, basically, they don't seem to be overly concerned about personal autonomy these days, which is really, really disappointing. Kind of like the ACLU only really cares about two or three issues anymore now either. But again, your mileage may vary. 
and I wish them the best. I guess two more quick things. You know, I've always struggled with the idea of identifying myself as a conservative. Reason being is conservatives really don't conserve anything. But what they seem to do really well is conserve wins by the progressives. And that's really not what I have in mind. That's not really something that I want to suggest is a good idea. Yet, the conservatives just, they're stuck on that. They really like that word. But there's another word that begins with C-O-N. It's constitutionalist. Might I suggest you start referring to yourself as a constitutionalist. Because clearly a constitutionalist is significantly better as conservatives go. And obviously, as a liberty advocate, it's kind of hard to find a problem with a constitutionalist. You know, there is a constitutional party. Sadly, they sometimes forget what constitution they're working for. But they're still leaps and bounds better than the two progressive parties. But in Collin County, we don't have that second progressive party. There are still a good number of people that are fighting the good fight. I'm just suggesting that perhaps they ought to consider themselves constitutionalists as opposed to conservatives. Yeah, we all like that epitaph rhino, but really is that, is that do justice to it? I'd much rather use the term progressive. I've used the term weak sister. I kind of like the term pusillanimous, but I've kind of decided to reserve that just for our governor for right now. And, you know, the the idea is that he wins another term. I'm still going to use it because I hope it's goading him into doing a better job. And then there's Lieutenant Dan. I, I guess conservative is an appropriate term because he seems to be conserving the progressive wins but not doing much beyond that unless he's dragged kicking and screaming. And while I insert my brief aside, Daniel Miller, please consider throwing your hat in the ring. There's a grassroots movement that's calling on you. Daniel Miller, please consider running for Lieutenant Governor. We would love nothing more than to see you debate Lieutenant Dan. If for no other reason, that puts an issue that is in both of our hearts front and center, and that would be Texit. Come on, Daniel Miller, please consider it. Oh, a side over, sorry. That's return. I guess finally, I look at what we've got to work with. And they tell us that we're the greatest state and the greatest country on God's green earth. And I guess I got to believe it because I don't see anybody better, but we could be so much better. We could do so much more. And we're just so timid. We're so cowardly in what we call for, what we hold accountable. We just, play this incrementalism game thinking that if we can just string this out a little while longer at what time do we just realize that many republicans are basically drug 
drug companies. That's right. They don't want to give you the cure because then you won't give them any more money. They're just going to give you treatments. They're going to help you feel better. They're going to tell you good little things. They're going to make you feel warm inside so you'll keep giving them money. Wake up. Wake up. If you call yourself a conservative, please consider. Constitutionalist is a much, much better term. It much better defines what you actually stand for if you, in fact, stand for it. If you're going to call him a rhino, why not just call him a progressive? I mean, Teddy Roosevelt was a progressive and he was a Republican. Nobody doubts that he was a Republican, even though that's a little bit of an embarrassing historical aside for the Republican Party. (coughs) We've always had progressives, starting from Abe Lincoln going forward. Embrace it. We've learned. We do better now. We understand We've overcome our faults. We want to preserve liberty first and foremost. Take that page out of the Libertarian and Constitutionalist Party's handbooks. Stand for something. Be willing to put it on the line. Fight the fight when it makes a difference. Be willing to lose if that's what it takes to get your issue brought forward. And then show up the next day ready to fight again. The progressives do it every day. They chip away and eat away at what's left of Texas and our nation. I would suggest to you that we need to fight back. We need to fight back aggressively, not timidly. We need to fight back in an organized way, not in haphazard, non-patterned ideals. We have several standard bearers out there That are there with us. They're willing to lead. They just need their army. Do your own research. Find who these liberty people are. They may or may not call themselves constitutionalists right now. But they are defenders of liberty. They're not that hard to find. Get behind them. Work for them. Support them. We can and should win this. We just have to bring it to bear. And with that, I will end this episode of According to Callus. Enjoy the bonus of 121. And I will see you on the other side.